we stand and have a word of prayer? If you could find the book of Psalms 108, I was going to read verses 2, 3, 4, and 5. The book of Psalms 108, it says, Awake, sultry, and harp. I myself will awake early. I will praise thee, O Lord, among the people. I will sing praises unto thee among the nations. For thy mercy is great above the heavens, and thy truth reacheth unto the clouds. Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens, and thy glory above all the earth. Is that the desire of your heart? Amen. Let's just bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Almighty God, it's always a privilege, Lord, to be able to come before you, to sing songs of praise, Lord, unto you, our God, the lover of our soul, Lord. Father, you're the giver of life and the giver of all good things, Lord. We just pray that you would anoint this service tonight and give us each one strength. Father, just help us to receive whatever it is you have in store for us. May we forget about the cares of the world, the troubles of the day, and things of tomorrow, Lord. May we just put it all aside, Lord, and just open up ourselves to receive from you. We love you so much, and we thank you for all you do for us. You're so good to us, Lord. It's a privilege and an honor, Lord, to be called your children. In the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, we pray in I love you, Lord, and I live my Sweet, sweet sound. 
in your ear. Sing it to him like a love song. I love you, Lord, and I live my this song he touched me he touched me you ever feel shackled by a heavy burden amen well he touched me oh he touched me Something happened and I Aren't you thankful for that? Well, shackled by a heavy burden. Well, neath the load of guilt and shame. But then Touch me. Well, 
touch me and all oh, the joy that floods my soul something happened and I Blessed Savior Aren't you glad for that? Well, since He's cleansed and made me whole I shall never cease to pray Touch me, oh, he touched me, and all oh, the joy that floods my soul, something soul tonight amen nothing better than that sweet loving God the one that created us come down and just sweep over your soul amen just touch your spirit and the love of God living in the depths of your heart sweep over my soul sweep over my soul Sweet spirit, sweep over my soul. My rest is complete while I sit at your feet. Sweet spirit, sweep over my soul. with all your heart oh sweet over 
be shut in with God in a what? A secret place. Nobody else can get in there. Just you and him. Amen. I think it's the key of C. Shut. Is that right? Key of C. With God in that secret place. any prayer requests tonight God can discern the thoughts and intents of your heart amen whatever they may be and he'll answer them if you have one thing faith it is impossible to please God without faith yes brother Joe God, I have a couple requests from my wife. One is the wife of a co-worker has cancer. Her name is Annie. And then her work asked her to pray for her work today. Amen. We'll pray for Richard also. Angie Heth fighting breast cancer. 
It's already went to the lymph nodes, the lymph system. But God is greater than lymph system. If I said that right or not. You have a request upon your heart this evening? My son is doing astronomically. We'll see him for Christmas this year. Hasn't been drinking for six weeks. Had an ulcer that disappeared in three days. And I mean, he was having problems. And uh, he's listening in tonight. He's been listening in ever for a while now. Praise God, let's pray. Oh, Father, I love you, Lord. You are so mindful of all the needs that we have, Father. A simple request from a brother, from a man named Richard, Father. And as we sang that song, Lord, then it would be pleasing that you would hear the sounds that fall upon your ear. This evening we come with faith sounds, Father, to reach the throne of mercy in the name of Jesus Christ for any co-worker that has cancer, Father. Lord, for Angie Heth, Father, my son-in-law's mom. And Lord, I pray for all of her kitchen and bath when my wife works, Father. Lord, they all look at her like, like she is what she is a daughter of God, a Christian sister. And Lord, we just thank you for the testimony of your healing and your power. We claim it all, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ this evening. Thank you for my son, Lord. I know you spoke to me not to ask for little things. Said I ask for it all, Lord. For my whole family, for everybody's children in here, we hold that token up, Father. Lord, we just love you and we thank you. We pray that you would bless the tithes and offerings this evening and help us be as you would have us to be this evening, dear God. Bless the ministering of your word, the greatest form of worship. We pray, we worship you. We love you, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. We have a special tonight. Brother Enoch, come on up wherever you're at. There he is. You can get ready, brother. I was just sitting in my car today thinking, Lord, I need and I want to be more on fire for you. I don't know what's being preached tonight, but I said that to him several times today. I need and I want to be more on fire for you, God. Help me. I want to be more on fire. Amen. I want to be infectious. Amen.
forward to the word tonight. Amen. for you but I fall sometimes you seem so close and yet so far oh I need another chance I need to know your mercy just give me strength to change within know that I'm not all that I can be my weakness seems to get the best of me but as long as you are here I know that I will make it every step along the way please hear my prayer heart like yours Lord that's my desire a heart like yours Lord that's what I'm searching for full of compassion and nothing wrong within please hear me Lord give me a 
heart like yours The thoughts and many failures that I see They make me wonder why you thought of me Lord, you look beyond this flesh You ignore my human frailties For you knew that all along I was your seed My desire is to give my all to you Lord, let me spread your light in all I do Lord, I thank you for your touch Your grace and tender mercy For it makes me only long To be more like you A heart like yours Lord, that's my desire A heart like yours Lord, that's what I'm searching for Full of compassion And nothing wrong with Him Oh, please hear me, Lord Give me a heart like Yours So much grace So much kindness So much faith Forever true Strong as the wind Oh, and soft as a shadow If just once I could be like you A heart like yours Lord, that's my desire a heart like yours Lord, that's what I'm searching for Full of compassion And nothing wrong within Please hear me, Lord Give me a heart like yours Full of compassion and nothing wrong with him. Please hear me, Lord. Give me a heart like yours. Oh, please hear me, Lord. Give me a heart like Wonderful worship and singing. Praise the Lord. Happy to be in God's house? Amen. Amen. I sure am happy to be here. Amen. And had a nice little couple of days since Debbie and I took off. Amen. Finally got to uh, enjoy the um, Airbnb that you all got us back, back whenever we had our big crazy thing out here in the side yard. <laughs> Biggest shock of my life. And I was speechless, and that's rare. Amen. And, uh, 
but so we went over to um, Isle of Palms for a couple days and really, really had a nice time. Amen. The weather wasn't as perfect as we wanted, but it, as far as the Lord was concerned, it was perfect. Amen. So we, but we had a wonderful, really nice time. Brother Jay, good to have you back in one piece. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. We had heard a little bit of a disturbance over there, but I think you weren't near that explosion, were you? Praise the Lord. Amen. So we're happy to have him back here. We're going to let him maybe uh, take next Wednesday. I had a conversation with him today. I was going to give him tonight if he was going to be out of town, but since they're going to stay around, his folks are coming down. This is their first time coming down. Oh, that'll be amazing. So, um, so we're, we'll have him maybe give a little bit of a report and, uh, and whatever else is on his heart next Wednesday, the Lord willing. Amen. If we go in the rapture, Brother Jason, you'll just have to <laughs> tell it on the other side, brother. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. We want to be praying for uh, some of our other team members tonight. Uh, brother Joe is over at Brother Samuel's church at the Mexican church there, the Hispanic brothers ministering. And so I know they'll have a wonderful time having Brother Joe over there. Brother Caleb, amen. Is, it, is he in Mullins or Marion? I can't remember. Thank. Is he in Marion? So who would that, would that be for the church Brother Gibbs had, I guess? Okay. Praise the Lord. So amen. We want to be praying for Brother Caleb. I love to see these brothers getting out, amen, and exercising their spiritual legs. Praise the Lord. We want to have you turn into the scripture tonight to the 17th chapter of Luke. And we just want to get right into the word of God. And, you know, I, I can say that uh, really the, the thought that's on my heart tonight actually is designed to accomplish. It's not necessarily about, uh, as Brother Brad was saying, uh, the, the, you know, the Lord to drop a fire in on him because this isn't going to be one of those fiery, this ain't going to be like Sunday. I'm going to take a little bit of a lower altitude tonight. Would that be all right? But this is going to be the pathway, amen, to get that. Now, how many want that fire of the Holy Spirit? Amen. Most of you, how many want that fire of the Holy Spirit burning in us? So we're going to look at the pathway to that tonight. And, and I just think that it's really going to be wonderfully in line with that, uh, the specials that we had tonight. Amen. I appreciated that song, Sister Sarah sung. And our little brother Enoch, I told Brother Brad, I said, that kid is fearless, man. Wow, just fearless. Amen. So I appreciate that. Amen. And all of us um, joining in on that song. Luke 17, and uh, we want to look beginning at verse 20. I think that was all the announcements I had. I have a number of prayer requests tonight. We'll get to those just shortly. Luke 17, 24, very familiar. For as the lightning that lighteneth out of one part under heaven shineth under the other part under heaven, so shall also the Son of Man be in his day. But first must he suffer many things and be rejected of this generation. And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise also as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, 
they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love and your great kindness to us. Thank you for this revealed word that you've put upon my heart. I have 100% assurance, Lord, that it is exactly what you have for tonight. And so my, my job now, Lord, is just to step aside and allow you to be the unfettered, unhindered speaker. I commit it to you and commit myself under your control to that end. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, friends. You can be seated. <clears throat> By the help of the Lord, I want to speak to you tonight on the age of toleration. It's interesting, this word toleration, and I, I want to look at it just a little bit, not, not a deep dive on just the word alone. I think we all know what it means to tolerate something, but I want to approach it from the aspect of something that you, you, can, you can see in history that it can go for ever so long. Can we do something with the screen there, brothers? Yeah. And you, you can go ever so long in history and you can have a certain trend. I don't know, it, it, it can be any type of trend, a political trend, a social trend, a religious trend, um, a financial trend. And what will happen is that you, you'll have within that generation, you'll have, you know, lines that are, that are fairly clear to say, you know, here, here's what we do in this generation. Here's what we tolerate as far as like things that are out of bounds of the normal, things that we as a society, we would say, we don't really want to see that. Or maybe uh, in religious circles, we would say, you know, this is not scriptural. This is, this is contrary to the word of God. But then what you'll end up having happen, and this history has constantly demonstrated this, is that, you know, Satan's Eden is, is always under construction, Amen. So it started right out as soon as the Garden of Eden, that episode there, Satan b- began really like God taking thousands of years. And now Brother Branham says he's taken 6,000 years, just like God took 6,000 years to build his Eden. Satan took 6,000 years and has now built his. And that's why a prophet would declare this is now Satan's Eden. It's a prophetic announcement to the world. No matter where the world thinks they are, on the scale of progress or science or education or, you know, civilization. I'm sure everybody's got an opinion of that. But here was a prophet's opinion. It's, civil, it's the civilization of sin. And he said, you know, they, they talk about they want to make a, a better civilization. He says to me, it's just a, a, an easier civilization to sin in. And that has come because with each successive generation, Satan's construction uh, ha, has, has continued to raise this skyscraper over the whole 
over all of humanity till he's now this great beacon controlling the whole world. And you find that, that, that to, get, to get man to go along with that, he had to always come in. You'll find this historically. He all, he, and we're going to look at it particularly in the last century and a half. He had to kind of start in with the younger generation. Now, he learned that from God because that's what happened when it came time to cross over into the promised land. It was the younger generation who, who bucked the system, who said to the elders, we're not just going to keep walking around this mountain. We've been here for 40 years. We're excited. We're going to take the promised land. Now, that was in a positive light. But Satan watching that does the same thing. And you'll find that he comes in with a younger generation. And that younger generation uh, start pushing the boundaries of what, you know, in society was acceptable, what in religion was acceptable. And right away, there's a, there's a you know, kind of an adult uh, and higher up to elders, up to elderly people, there's always an outcry to say, you know, we need to resist that. That's, that's not the way we've always done it. And, and there's, there's this intoleration. It's an intoleration where it's, it's intolerable and they won't put up with it, but that, but that succeeding generation keeps pushing it until finally what happens is, is that generation that would not tolerate it Finally, they aged out and passed on. And then that younger group who had been, you know, living for that, now they grew up and they became the controlling adulthood of the world. And now it's completely tolerated. You see? And so Satan has learned how to effectively change society, change culture, change religion, everything to match his Eden. It's, it's incredible what Israel was in the state that they were in. By the time that Moses' prophecy in Deuteronomy, he told them that the Lord your God will raise up a prophet from among you, among your own brethren, and he'll be like me. And whoever won't hear him will be cut off see he'll be messiah and and they had every kind of idea what that would be now in the days of isaiah they believed that it would be a virgin would give birth to a son to a child <clears throat> by supernatural power because Isaiah has got credibility among the people. They know him to be a prophet of God. Of course, later on in his life, the younger generation didn't like him very well. And once the older generation aged out and passed off, that younger generation grew up into authority and put him to death. That's exact. Now, this principle that I'm talking about is exactly why Jesus could say, to the existing adult controlling class of his day. He says, you know, which of your fathers didn't persecute the prophets and put them to death? Go back and tell me the generation that didn't do that. Can you imagine that? That, that it, would, it, would be, it would be easier, the question would be easier to say what generation didn't do it then to ask the question, which generation accepted the prophets? It, it was so common, prophet rejection was so common, generation to generation to generation, that he could just say, which one of them didn't do it? 
Let me just cut to the chase and give you an easy question. Tell me just one that didn't do it that way. And you here polish their tombs. And that proves that you concur with what they did. You honor men who killed prophets. And you yourself consider yourself part of that same class. And so, so amazing was the generational decline from Isaiah to the time of the Lord Jesus that they went from believing it would be a supernatural act of God that a baby would be born who would be Messiah and they finally had gotten themselves so um, traditionalized and, you know, um, Brother Branham uses an interesting word here in a minute. I don't want to get ahead of myself. But he, he calls it, you got all chickenized. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. I'm just homespun enough to love that. Amen. Oh, he said you settled back into somewhere and put your name down on a book and anchor and got all chickenized. <laughs> Oh my, talks about you'll never hear the word of God that way. We're going to get to it here in a minute in return in Jubilee. But we find that, that by the time Jesus comes on the scene, they're, they're looking for, you know, some political superstar, some military genius who will agree with them, even though they're looking for a, a, a Messiah like they are, though they're the polar opposite of how Moses was. And they're nothing at all like Isaiah was. And so, so great was their hatred that they crucified the Lord. And this is an interesting point. You have to realize that there was no one that the Jews hated worse than the Romans. They hated the Romans Beyond passion. The Romans were tyrants and taxed them and murdered them and treated them like second class, third class citizens. And the Jews had been under, I mean, Israel had fought wars and many thousands of Israelite soldiers had died. And under the Maccabeans, and, and I forget what the name of that mountain is. You remember the name of that mountain, Brother Jason, where they, they, they mounted that mountain? They actually, all, all of the Israeli armed forces have to go to that mountain today and take their oath there. That we will never again be in slavery. And, and they hated the Romans so bad, but so great was their acidic, demonic anger at the most perfect man to ever live, that they said, Pilate said, will I crucify your king? And they said, we have no king but Caesar. And they took the hated Romans over this perfect human being who hadn't done nothing but go about doing good. It seems like an impossible story, but it's history. So they crucified him. The hate burning, as one commentator says, I didn't put the, who it is, I don't remember now, but he makes a comment, the hate burning within them finds its full vent. Its hateful worst is done and horribly done well. Amen. And there they stood about the cross, you know, with 
almost unconcealed gloating and mocking even. I mean, this, this is a hatred that's inexplicable. How can you possibly hate someone who has done nothing but good and has healed your sick and fed your hungry and, and cast out devils and, 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 and could have made Israel a great nation and he was Messiah there to save them. And yet they were so possessed of the devil, religious people. As Brother Branham said, the most religious people. So there's no safety in religion. There's no safety in just being in a church. There's no safety just calling yourself a believer. This thing has to be a living reality in you. This thing has to be a flame, a fire burning in you. You're seeing, but for the grace of God, where you would be. But for the grace of God. This should, this should uh, make you aware that without the love of God filling your heart, that your hatred for the word of God could be just as horrible. So that you would even say, I will choose Satan's Eden and put the word to crucifixion. So I would never do that. But millions did and have and do. They stood there gloating and ridiculing and then their part of the story is done as this commentator goes on to say thought this was so powerful their part of the story is done and they exit history's stage and are gone but the part of the Lord Jesus in redemption had just begun <laughs> I thought what a different role that's the script I would want to make sure I had for my life. Can you imagine that they, they had lived their whole life and they dedicated their whole life to understanding the law, uh, what they call the law from Sinai. And, 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 and they had this supreme knowledge. And even Paul talks, talks about that. He writes to them, you know, how that, you know, you, you, you think that you're, you're a guide to men and that you're expositors of all the truth and it's all got to come through you. And, and yet, they're the very ones who called for his blood and said, we'll take, we'll take Caesar over this man. And to, to, to imagine that you've lived your whole life and you've invested all your time and energies to become this Pharisee and walk around in robes and have authority and have power and, and your whole life comes down to this. You're standing at the foot of a cross gloating with glee that you have murdered the word and now your story is done and you exit history stage and you're gone. And that's the record of your life. We find that in this age of great toleration, that, you know, how that, as, as we said, that women or men, you know, they, 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 they the, the current generation will rise up to try to resist it. The younger generation will push it on anyway until the older generation ages out and goes by the wayside. And then the younger generation that love it, like it, and do it, and want to do it now 
Now there, it's a new age, and it's now an age of tolerating what was before intolerable. You come to an age in this day where we have situations that are not, that were not just intolerable, but unthinkable, unimaginable, only just a a few years ago. Brother Branham talks about this generational degradation, if I could use, that's my word, how that it keeps getting worse and worse. He says, did you realize this is why we are not a denomination? Here's a good reason why we're not because of this very principle that I'm talking about. Every generation only gets worse, see. I mean, look what, look what the Methodist movement was when it became a denomination. It stood for staunch holiness. Yeah. And now it staunchly stands for homosexuality. Yeah. And it's the same denomination. But every generation, the tolerance level has gotten moved and moved and moved and moved. Until now, we're in an age of complete toleration, except for there's no toleration for God. And there's no toleration for you. The world wants you gone, and we can't wait to leave. So he says here, did you realize the things that you're doing, if there is another generation, this was 1958, there certainly would be, There is another generation. If there's another generation, your children will be judged for what you do. Haven't you no respect of decency? You girls, now he's talking to 1958 young girls. You girls out here wearing little old shorts and things around, you know that's reflected on your daughter. So now he's warning the uh, controlling adult class. He's saying, you're doing these things now, you grown women, you know, and you've got teenagers, so you're probably 30-something, maybe 40-something. You've got grown teenagers. And, and don't you realize that you're, you're perpetuating the trend. You're perpetuating the decline. And by the time they become you, it'll be worse. And then it'll be on to the next one. And so here's a prophet trying to warn them, you you, you wear these little old things and you're around, you're, you're, that's reflected on your daughter. Did you know? Now he's speaking to these 40-something-year-old women. Did you know your, grandmam, your grandmammy was a flapper and your mammy a chorus girl? Yeah. And that's the reason you're a striptease. Now, and Brother Branham said this, talked about this in half a dozen or so places. And historically, sometimes he will invert the flapper with the chorus girl. And that's not completely mistaken because there's some debate over what's the real chorus girl. Maybe she started back in the 1800s, but, but it, from everything I can look at, and it's not important anyway, the, the important point is that it's a generational decline. And, and, and as best I can tell, he's got it most accurate right here and why we're not, not a denomination, at least as it reflects in history. Because he's saying, you 40-something-year-olds, your grandmother which would have been around the 19, late 20s and early 30s, those, those were flappers. Right. And, and, but, but, and, then, and then, then they had the chorus girls, which we would think of more as the Hollywood starlets, right. the pinups during World War II. Yeah. See? And so, but, but yet even before the flappers, they had 
chorus girls and can-can dancers and they go all the way back to ballet and they go all the way back. In, in, in fact, as the history records it all the way back and calls that the chorus girl movement all the way back into the 1800s. Now, that's significant to me because I'm thinking of trumpets, vials, and seals, but maybe you wouldn't be, but that's where my mind goes and I'm immediately correlating that thing. We might get into it a little bit more this weekend. I don't know yet. But, but here is... Here's a definition from history.com, and I also did some research on on biography.com, but history.com records flappers of the 1920s were young women known for their energetic freedom, embracing a lifestyle viewed by many at the time as outrageous, immoral, and downright dangerous. Now, now considered the first generation of independent American women. Now that's prophecy, and I'm not going to. It's a Wednesday night. I'm not going into that tonight for sure, but 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 we find that you know when you go back and you look, and there you know you've got the old stories about Calamity Jane and and how you know she was run out of this place and how she got tarred and feathered. And some people say no, it was never. Not sure that really happened, but for sure they did tar and feather people. And it, I mean, that goes all the way back to 12th century England when the king did it to, to some thieves and it kind of caught on. And, and, and so it's a, it's a pretty grievous thing. And, and we find out that, 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 that the point that I'm, that I'm trying to make is not necessarily did they or did they not tar and feather calamity Jane. The point is that there was a time when she was reviled until now she's revered. There was a time when she was considered low class and she had a very sad and tragic life if you've ever studied her life. I mean, her, her alcoholism and, 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 and drug abuse and, and she died a very lonely, old, broken down woman. Amen. Completely alone. And her health destroyed because she was trying to find happiness the wrong way. She was trying to work against how God built her to be a lady, to, to be something with virtues. And she threw all of that away to have access to a man's world and even dressed like and shot like a man and rode like a man and fought like a man, drank like a man. And she died like a sinner man. And so we find, but... There was a time when she was not tolerated at all until, the, until generation after generation after generation. And now, as I said, she went from being reviled. Now she's revered as a, as a firebrand. She was, one of, the, she was uh, one of the first women to say, you know, I've got my rights and I got a six shooter to back it up. And nobody's going to push me around. Not, no man's going to control me. That was her real, real problem. And, you know, I remember Brother Ernie used to always say to me when he was witnessing, he, 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 went, he did what Brother Ernie called the, uh, how was it he said that, the, 
the, the uh, religious merry-go-round. He started out as a Catholic altar boy and ended up with evangelicals, then ended up at, at, at uh, Jim Baker, PTL, and then ended up in, in another form of Pentecost and came all the way through UPC, which UPC's the graduate class to go to the message. That's why UPC hates the, hates the message, even though they exist because of William Branham. But they hate the message because they only lose members either back to the world or to the message. And they don't never lose them to anyone else. And so, so Brother Ernie says, you know, when, when, when they were starting to kick him out of his last, his last gasp at organized religion before embracing the truth of this hour. And they were just saying, oh, Brother Ernie, you're just too strict. It's too hard. You, you, you say all these things and, our, we, you know, it causes ripple and, and problems in the church and you rock the boat and you're always after the women about how they dress and the men how they do. And, and, and Brother Ernie said, you know, Brother Jason, I always used to just ask them a question. Well, now when our movement began at Azusa, we, they didn't allow our women to cut their hair and paint up like Jezebel and wear men's clothes. And at Azusa, they didn't allow men to curse and take social drinks and carouse and have all these kinds of different things. And, said, and so Ernie said, now my only question to you is this, and it's a simple one. Did we start wrong or are we finishing wrong? Right. Now, the, now that question got him hastened out the door. Because that's not a question they want to hear. That's like these, when Jesus said, which of your fathers didn't do this? Tell me the generation that didn't do this. And the question is, is so egregious to them that they're just, they just want to get rid of him. Ernie Villanueva, get out of here. Oh my, brother Ernie got his reward today. Amen. But so it's a fair question. How is it that with every age, there's this toleration that keeps growing? Did we start wrong or are we finishing wrong? And you know, I, I remember talking to uh, a friend of mine one time in, you know, in the Mormon church and, and he was trying to make me a Mormon and I was trying to make him a believer. And it was, boy, that was, too, wow. But you know, I was asking him one time, I said, you know, why you had standards even back in the days of the man you say was a prophet, Joseph Smith. He might have been a prophet. I don't deny that. Brother Branham said, I don't deny. The man said he, he saw something in the woods. Brother Branham said, I don't doubt his experience. He said, all I'm going to say is that experience, his experience didn't match this. So, all right, fine. So he had an experience. You can be a real prophet. That don't mean you're a true one. See, Balaam was a real one, but he wasn't a true one. He's a false one. See, and so, so the false prophet in the book of Revelation is a real one, but he's false because he teaches false doctrine. Yeah. See, so, so I said, you know, why, why have you declined? And now your women do what even they didn't do and your men do what even they didn't do and your young people do what even they didn't do. And his, his answer, you could tell he was in a quandary how to answer that. And he I was getting irritated. I could just feel his temperature rising. And he just said to me, you know, you know, it was further revelation. <laughs> I thought, that is so upside down. You don't even know what you just said. Further revelation doesn't take you away from the original. Further revelation restores you to the original. So, you know, it, it really comes down to us now. Here we are, message believers. Believe the Lord is coming, if not in the morning, probably the next day. It's how I live my life. Amen. 
Brother Branham said, I look for him every morning. I'm here to tell you something, friends, you bet you ought to start getting up and just say, could this be the morning? Hallelujah. Go through the day and look to the eastern sky. One of these days you're going to look and there they're going to be. <laughs> oh, don't let me get started back on Sunday's material about launched on that one. But what about us in the message? How many, how many things, and I'm not here to go down a laundry list tonight. I just, this is all, this is not really rhetorical because I, I really want you to think about it, but you don't have to answer out, but just within your own heart. I mean, how many things can you think of? Because I can think of a few of, of things that William Branham stood against in his day and our, and even our, and even the believers from that generation, my parents stood against these things because a prophet wouldn't do them. There were places he wouldn't go, things he wouldn't do, activities he would not participate in. And yet, in many places within our own ranks now, we tolerate them. And I don't want to lock you up. I just want you to stay with me. I just want, it's just Brother Jason asking you to think about it. The Jubilee, I was talking about this, I was teaching it on, on my Bible study class last week about, actually, no, I wasn't the teacher that day, I was commentating, follow-up commentator. And we, were, we come on the subject of the Holy Ghost. And I started talking about, you know, the, the, I, I saw so many, I, I think I testified to you about this um, right after camp, that I, that I found an uncomfortable not an not a overwhelming number, but an uncomfortable number of young people still coming up with this age-old question that I used to struggle with in the 70s yes. for lack of teaching. How do I know if I have the Holy Ghost? What is it? How do I know? What does it do? Tell me, I get, well, how do I got to have this? What do I got to get? You know, and, and, and I could see that same look in their eyes that I had in my eyes. And I thought, and I kept thinking to myself, how is it that here we are 60 years after Brother Branham is preaching Return in Jubilee in, in 1956, and here we are 60 years or, or beyond that, 60 years this November. And I've still got young people asking that kind of question. And I, and I, just, and I was testifying to that on the, on the call. And I said, you know, my answer is very straightforward. If, if you want to know what the Holy Ghost is and what it come to do and why it's here, all you have to do is go back in the Old Testament and because it's the Jubilee and see what it was promised to do. And, 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 and God, and who is it and what is it? But when you go back and look at the Jubilee, it's God saying, I'm going to do this. So it's not a date on a calendar. The Jubilee represented a time when God said, there's coming a day when I'll take out your heart of stone and I'll put in a heart of flesh. In other words, I'm going to come in and live in a human being. And then I will cause you to keep my statutes. You won't have to, it won't be a book of rules and do's and don'ts. And you won't have to fight and struggle against it because greater is he that'll be in you than he that is in the world. So there's no question on who and what it is. It's, it's God living inside you. Amen. See, what does it do? How do I know? How do I know if I've got it? Well, look how it lives. Look at, look at what the Jubilee, what was the Jubilee? It was the, it was the canceling of all your past debts completely. 
completely and it was a complete restoration back to your position and back to your station and back to all of your inheritance and that's what the jubilee is in this hour. It strikes off all your old sins and changes all your old ways and brings you back into the presence of God to stand and say, I'm restored to my position. Hallelujah. I'm, my whole heart is now Godward. See? That's what it was always going to be. So the whole thing of, you know, is it something mental? Is it something emotional? That, that is such a school kid argument. And, and I, don't, I, don't, I don't mean to suggest that when teachers are teaching on it and trying to divide, rightly divide between emotion and, and mental. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the fact that, that we ought to by this time have a clear understanding that it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen. And how did you get him in you? Because you were born with a gene of God. Amen. And how did it come to life? Because a personal revelation of Jesus Christ was sovereignly given to you. And you accepted it and you believed it and now you're marching to Zion, beautiful Zion. So why do I still make mistakes? Because your body ain't there. Your body's still under the sin curse that's on the earth, it's built out of the earth. But I'm here to tell you there's an inside man that wars against this man and is constantly brings him to church. It puts him on his knees. It makes him open a Bible. It makes him eschew evil. And if, he, and, if, and if the flesh wins on Monday before Tuesday's morning light, the man has already driven him to his knees and said, you'll repent for that. You'll not go to sleep tonight with that in your life. That's what the Holy Ghost is given for. It's to make a world full of Jesuses. That's what it does. It multiplies him. So we find that the Jubilee was a restoration. Now that's an important point. It's a restoration of the original. And if you, if you lose sight of that, then you'll find yourself generationally declining. Because you lose sight of the fact that the Holy Ghost is the Jubilee. And the Jubilee is the restoration. And the restoration goes back to the original. So you're not falling further away. You're climbing closer to. See, that is one of the best signs. That's saying amen to every word, not just mentally, but your life is saying amen to every word. Say, so what's the evidence of the Holy Ghost? Saying amen to every word. That's not a mental assent merely because the devil believes. Brother Branham said he doesn't make believe. He actually believes. He's not born again. He won't humble himself to the word. He knows the will of God, but he refuses to do it. So it's not just mental assent to the word, but, it, but it's literally a faith in, it's the same faith of the son of God in the word. And now your whole life is a living amen. You're a living epistle. Your lifestyle, it's red. You, you see? 
The Jubilee was the promise of all past debt struck off, all possessions and status returned. You're now standing in the full freedom and liberty that sons of God were intended to stand in. And that liberty is finally have the ability that the inner man, that he can bring this outside man now, that inner man who, who so wants to live holy, it's so natural to him. It, it's, it, the purity of God is so natural to him. It's so intrinsic that, that he, he now has the ability to bring his flesh and make it live the way that inner desire, that deep that calls to a deep. And, and it's just back and forth. And that heartbeat of God and your heartbeat to God and your whole life is a melody, a melody. That's why Brother Branham said they were marching smooth, clean, marching to the step, something like onward Christian soldiers. Their life was a melody. You're, let my life song sing. That's what Brother Branham said, but if you just settled back somewhere and put your name anchored and you're all chickenized, then it isn't going to be much happen to you because you'll never hear it. You'll walk out and say, this is from Returning Jubilee, you'll walk out and say, well, I guess it was all right. I've heard it before. See, go home. I never heard Brother Brown say this term before. Go home and sleep it off. Next morning, see, get up the next morning, but conviction, you don't sleep off. The word of God, you can't shake off if you're an eagle. If you're an eagle, you can't sleep it off. I just thought to myself, how many people have I seen in a church service be shook, shook under the power of God and go home and you're just sure we've entered, we've had another one join the kingdom and they just sleep it off. I didn't even know you could do that. I didn't know that was a thing. See, when they got the real Holy Ghost in Acts chapter 2, give me this, Josh, Acts 2, 37 to 42. I should read this with me. It's familiar again. It's like Luke 17. But I'll let you read it with me. Acts 2, 37 to 42. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter, to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent. And be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. It's not complicated. That's easy. See, people, people stumble and fail to get the new birth because they stumble at the easiest part. Repent. See, and, you know, and, 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 and people don't want repent. They want reprieve. And reprieve is not repent. Reprieve is just Sin, the consequences, as Brother Matt has preached for so many times, that people get sorry for the consequence of sin. It's not a, a deep sadness over the sin. It's that what sin has wrecked their lives and has destroyed them. And now they're very sorry and they want that fixed. And so they need uh, Papa God Santa Claus to please give them a Christmas present and fix their life. And they get a little bit of a reprieve, a little bit of a respite, a little bit of a vacation. See, because 
they want reprieve. They don't want to repent. Verse 39, for the promises unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Now watch this 40th verse. And with many other words did he testify and exhort saying, save yourselves from this untoward generation. Now this, this word untoward, it is, it is a Greek word. I'm not going to give you the full breakdown, but it just simply means a spot or a stain. So figuratively, in a moral sense. So, so when Ephesians 5.27, just stay right there, stay right there, uh, Josh. I'm just going to quote it. In Ephesians 5.27, no, go, go with me, Josh. Go, go to Ephesians 5.27. Yeah, I'm going to give you a little bit of a workout. All right. That he might present it, this is you, Christ presenting you to himself, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot. Amen. Same word. This untoward, this spotted generation. That he might present a glorious church, not having spot. So, so a spotted church and a glorious church are incompatible. You understand? Those are never going to be the same thing. He didn't, he didn't die to give himself a spotted church. He, gave, he died to give himself a glorious church. See? Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. I hope you understand that's the goal. I hope you understand that's why we're here. I hope you understand that's why I'm a preacher. I hope you understand that's why the Holy Ghost is given for. That's why God sent a messenger. That's why God opened the seals to restore us back so we can be a spotless bride. Second Peter chapter two, verse 12 and 13. Now look at, now, now look at the contrast. But these, verse 12, 2 Peter 2, 12. But these as natural brute beast made to be taken and destroyed speak evil of the things that they understand not and shall utter, utterly perish in their own corruption and shall receive, verse 13, and shall receive the reward of unrighteousness as they that count it pleasure to riot in the daytime. Spots they are and blemishes sporting themselves with their own deceivings while they feast with you. They don't mind hanging out with you. They don't mind a lot of times being your friend and, and your, your life is, ha is having almost zero impact on them and more often than not, I'm up here preaching like crazy trying to get you out from under their bad influence. So listen up, young people. If Brother Jason says, don't have unbeliever friends. Come on. Amen. You might have unbeliever acquaintances. That's fine. You'll have all kinds of acquaintances. But don't become buddy-buddy because there is no friendship with the world possible. You cannot be a friend to God and a friend to the world. If the world wants to be your friend, it's because you're living a disgraceful life and your life is not convicting them. And I would say to you one and all, and I would say to you one and all, flee that and find you some Holy Ghost filled companions. Hang around people who love God and wanna talk about God, who aren't trying to be the cool kid on the block. 
As Brother Danny used to preach, cool kids go to hell. Maybe we need to break out in another youth camp right here tonight and entertain some young people. Uh, you, you take these words to heart tonight. This untoward generation, it's synonymous with depravity and filth and dirtiness and impurity and uncleanness and foulness and pollution. See, now, now go back to Acts 2 verse 41. Now let's look at the people who really repented and got born again. Here's a sign that they got the real Holy Ghost. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Watch this now, verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Their life testified to the experience they had see so if you have not walked thank you brother Josh if you have not walked in the uh, in the original path could I call it that if you haven't walked in the original path of full repentance dedication commitment then you know you're certainly not living to all the benefits uh, of the restored original life. I'll tell you that for sure. If you, haven't, if you haven't walked the original path of full repentance and dedication and commitment, there's no way you're ever going to be able to live out the full benefits of the restored life because you have not taken the restored way. So, you know, in, in this case, uh, you know, you, you may not have the the full original purpose of, of God even working in your life. And that can sometimes be a real drag because we, 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 you know, even the work of justification and sanctification brings you into a relationship with God. It's all the work of the Holy Ghost. All of that is. And Brother Bradham said sanctification will make you stop your line. It'll make you start going to church. But people get stuck there just living in varying degrees of sanctification. And they never really break over and, you know, God, get beyond the sound barrier till now you're in the slipstream. And now you just, now you say, do, do you, if you got the Holy Ghost, do you still have flesh battles? Sure, of course I do. But the inner man is just gliding. The inner man is just constantly gliding in the presence of God. Just loves God all the time, every day, every hour, every minute. Always doing, trying to do that which pleases the Father. And only, only when the flesh man wins out of battle. That's the only time you see the spirit man. Oh, he's just destroyed over that. See? There's no, there's nothing, there's no trial that destroys the spirit man. There's no sickness. There's no trouble. There's no none of that stuff because he, he has faith towards God and he's living constantly in that realm. You see, and I'm not saying he can't get down and can't get stressed and can't get worried, but, but oh, friends, that's what a diet of the word is for. That's what fellowship of the saints is for. That's what coming to the house of God is for. That's what reading your Bible and praying is for. But a lot of times, it, you know, in this case, you... You, you may not have the full original purpose of God working through you, I would say at best. I mean, at best, if you're living in that kind of condition as a believer, uh, I mean, at, at best, you're, you're flying blind by the seat of your pants, kind of reacting to life as it comes hurtling at you. 
No wonder, no wonder sometimes we don't have the original level of power with God. You know, we're, we're not able a lot of times to enforce the word through prayer against the enemy. And there's a, there's a reason why that can be, yeah. see. Sometimes it's because, Brother Branham used a number of metaphors. Sometimes it's because you've never come into that third realm, that holy of holies, or as the Bible language yeah. would call it, the most holy place. Amen. That's where the Shekinah is. That's where the golden pot of manna. Yeah. And Brother Branham said, when you're in there, the curtain drops and the world's sealed out and you're sealed in. Yeah. And he said, if you got sickness and you need healing, he said, you just reach into that golden man, that golden pot and pull up manna by his stripes, I'm healed. You got a need for your family, just reach into there. That's the place where Aaron's rod, a dead rod that not only blossoms, but buds and bears fruit. It literally brings the dead back to life. That's where resurrection power is. And sometimes people have never come into that Brother Adam typed that as the real new birth. See, that's where the seed gene can come to life. That's where it destroys your old nature and, and its power over you. In this, in this analogy, Brother Branham, you know, relates it to, you know, with, with natural, he, he correlates the natural elements to your spiritual life. For instance, he, he talks about that wilderness tabernacle, that wilderness tabernacle. And you had the outer court and the inner court and, and the holy of, most holy place. And so in the outer court, I mean, that's justification. You were fine, I guess. I mean, you had brought in a sacrifice. You had all your sins struck off in the past. Justification don't do anything for your future sins. It just just eliminates all your past sins. But I mean, that's fine if it's daytime, but what are you going to do at nighttime when the sunlight's gone? And then you're kind of walking around stumbling. All you got is some starlight and a little bit of moonlight. And then Brother Branham said, and then what if it's overcast? Then you ain't got nothing. Brother Ram called them camp, camp stars. They just go from meeting to meeting to meeting to get a little, little, little shot in the arm. Give me a little juice. Oh, thank you. I feel like a Christian again. And have to wait till the next camp meeting comes. And Brother Ram called them camp stars. See, and then he said, now, now you move on to sanctification. You come in there where the seven golden lampstands are, Christ in the ages. He said, that's fine. Now you got a little bit more light. Now it's not, you're not so worried now whether it's raining or daylight or nighttime doesn't matter because you're inside and you got lampstands. But he said, those things have to be maintenance. They'll smoke out and carbon and, and go out. And you got to constantly refill the oil, refill the oil and trim all the lamps and refill the oil. And you got to constantly work to keep it going. But he said, once you go beyond that badger skin, you slip into that Shekinah glory. The curtain closes behind you. You don't hear the world no more. Oh, that's where Brother Branham said, you go so far into Christ, Satan can't find you anymore. Because he can't come in there. He'd have to pass through the blood and then he wouldn't be the devil. He'd be your brother. See? So only in the third realm does the healing of the golden pot even work properly. Only in the third realm does Aaron's rod make the dead live again. How many want to be third realm dwellers? See? And then, you know, that, that, so that, that's a person sometimes who hasn't really come all the way into the new birth. But then sometimes their people ha- actually have been born again. They actually, you know, maybe they have been born of the Holy Spirit, but you've allowed his brother, now Brother Brown's going to switch the metaphor. Now he's going to talk about the old pot belly stove. And he says, maybe you've let the flus get all backed up. 
I mean, back in the day, I remember with, with oil burning furnaces, man, if you don't, if you let the flues get all backed up, you'll have a back, forget what they call that, back flash or something like that. And I mean, the whole house is covered in soot and smoke and and, uh, you know, Sister Debbie used to work with a team of sisters from a church and they kind of went around and, and, and cleaned up people's houses and who had that happen. It's terrible. Yeah. I mean, you literally, they had literally had to go and here's, a, here's something with mail and they've got to pick up every paper and wipe it and put it in a clean spot in every paper. I'm here to tell you something, friends, when, you, when you're a son and daughter of God and you let your flus get all plugged up, I'm here to tell you now that that stove that was designed to give you heat now is smoking up your whole world. Well, I want to tell you something. This wasn't designed to do that to you. This was designed to give you warmth and life and, 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 and the heat that you need. But we let our flus get all clogged up and it all backs up. And I'm here to tell you, that's the way sometimes that's the way we get old. Let me say to you today, that's why Brother Ram said you need to get them blown out. You need a fresh surge of the Holy Spirit. You need a refilling of the Holy Ghost. You need what Brother Brad said. You need to have a fire. Come down. We're not talking about a new birth. We already got a new birth. But I need a fire of God to come down and blow out all my flus. How many can relate to that here tonight? Say, I don't want to be. I mean, here's your two choices, believers. You'll either have the fire of God, either you'll get into that third realm and be born again and run with God, or if you already have, you'll get your flus blown completely out. And then you'll serve God effectively, or you'll become the generation of toleration. And you'll just have to tolerate things in your life that you wouldn't have normally tolerated because you can't beat them. So you join them. That fire is meant to warm you and sustain you. Brother Branham talks about that. He says, I got to close here. Let me just catch a few statements from these quotes. I got several. I'm just going to take portions out of them. He starts talking about the millions of Walt Disney who was alive in Brother Brown's day, said, you know, he tried every way in the world to get his cartoons and newspapers and magazines and get a, get a sponsor and get, you know, whatever, however they made those things work back in the day. They didn't have the internet. And nobody wanted it. Nobody, it said, they said, oh, you're not talented enough, Walt Disney. <laughs> you don't got what it takes. And, uh, sitting in his garage. He started watching the peculiar activities of a mouse. And he thought, I could make that into a comic, comic strip. And he did, and it's Mickey Mouse. And he said, now here's all of his millions. And Brother Branham just says, Walt Disney now, millions and millions of dollars that his company or whatever he has is worth because, because he believed that there was something in him pulsating. Now watch him flip it. And if a man can do that by the natural, what about a man that's been pulsated by the Holy Spirit that believe God wants his achievements to be brought to people? How many are willing to be that tonight? Say, I might never have the millions of Disney. I don't even want that. I don't even care about that. But I would love to know that my life has a pulsating. I love to know that the life of Christ is pulsating from me to, to people around me. Oh, Brother Branham talking about here at, at, at this return in Jubilee because Pentecost now was at their 50-year mark for, for Louisiana. It had been 50 years. He had already preached the Jubilee of, of Azusa. Now he's in 1958 and he's at Jack's church 
And, he, and, it, and they've, they've had it since, since 50 years. And he says, I was thinking of this old patriarch. They had an old man. If you go listen to the tape, Brother Branham puts him on the microphone at the end of his sermon. And the old guy gets on there and preaches about a 60-second barn burner and starts telling him, we, we've got to get back. We've got to get back. He said, we've become just machinery. He said, but we've, this is not how it's supposed to be. And there's that old man just coming right behind Brother Branham. Oh, I'm here to tell you, those guys have probably had a lot of fellowship on the other side. He says, I was thinking of this old patriarch here. How many that worshiped with him? He had been in Azusa. He had been there. He was an eyewitness. He said, how many had been with him in Azusa Street has already crossed that river? Someday some of us, if the Lord tarries, we'll be talking about the meetings in Shreveport at the Jubilee. We will be crossed over. And I thought as I listened to that, I thought, my brother Branham himself would be crossed over. Young men who sat in those services like my dad who have crossed over. And, and, and then now my generation, and I'll cross over someday if the Lord so purposes. And you will someday. See, so, so when your part of the story is done, just catch that now. When your part of the story is done, and you have exited history's stage, Amen. what will be the story your life tells? Amen. For too many, it'll be a sad ending to a wasted life that only comes once. Yeah. It only comes once. Yeah. No matter how long you live, yeah. it's a one-off. And you don't, and it's a one-off, especially if you don't gain eternal life. If you don't gain eternal life, this is a one-off. You only get one chance at this, and it's just a one-off. No matter how long you live, it's a one-off if you don't gain eternal life. No matter how successful you are, no matter how illustrious you become, it's just a one-off. If you don't gain eternal life, Brother Bram said, so it behooves us to take every precaution. We don't get to come back and try over no more. We got to do it now. We got to do it now. We got to do it now. We don't get to come back and try it again. We got to do it now. Bethel Tabernacle, young people, old people, this is the generation. I'm not here to back up and tolerate. I'm here to be restored back to the original by the same jubilee, by the same Holy Ghost, by the same God who made the promise. Coming down in my life and living the promise. Is that what you want, friends? Be honest right now. Stand up with me and raise up your hand and say, Lord, that's what I want in my life. I'm not here to be a generation of toleration. I'm not here to go with the trend and go with the flow. I'm here to have Christ, the living word, living inside of me. That's what I want. That's what I want. Oh, Lord Jesus, tonight, that's the desire of our heart, Lord. That's such a strong feeling in our heart, oh God. I pray that you'll make that so in every man, woman, boy, and girl here tonight. Lord, to realize that this life, we only get one chance at it. If we don't gain eternal life, it's just a one-off event, never to be repeated again when my... When my portion is done and I step off of history's stage, 
What will be the testimony of my life? Oh, Lamb of God, I pray that you'll move in our hearts tonight, Lord. May we look and, and ask ourselves very seriously, am I a generation of toleration or am I marching to Zion? Beautiful, beautiful Zion. Lord, I pray tonight that you'll be our helper, oh God. This is such a tumultuous time in the world, Lord. We see just, just, just headlines everywhere pointing to the end of all things, Lord. And never before, I can say as a student of history, we used to always look back. I remember it, Lord. I grew up through it. I remember talking about in the 70s and 80s and 90s. Oh, it's got to be soon. The, the world's ending. The, the Lord's got to be coming. But we always knew. There was always things in the back of our mind. Yeah, but, well, what about that prophecy or this one? And, Lord, the more that we've understood it, the more now we realize it never could have come back then. Now is the time where I look at all the prophecies. As a student of this Bible, Lord, since a boy, I look through it, I correlate it to modern events, and I just say, absolutely, without any hesitation, this is the generation upon whom the ends of the world have come. And there's, there's a generation of Christian believers who have accepted the Jubilee in their lives and, and accepted the full token in their lives and allowed the Holy Spirit Lord, to lift them off the earth in a rapture and everyone else, Lord, we find that the overwhelming majority, save for maybe uh, some elected Jews and some foolish virgin, the rest of the world are, are destined to take a mark of the beast. They'll take it thinking they're doing God a service. They'll take the mark of the beast while building hospitals and schools and orphanages. They'll take the mark of the beast while they're feeding the poor. That seems, Lord, so incredible. But that's what you warned. You warned humanity. You've warned humanity and warned him and warned him that this would be it. They'll try to make that claim on the other side. Did not we do all these things and have these great things and did it in your name? You'll say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. I think, Lord, that somehow in the heart of every man and woman, I think there's a certain amount of knowing. I don't see how that anyone could live such iniquity as to miss out on eternal life and somehow not know it in the deepest part of their soul. I pray tonight, Lord God, that while there's mercy and it's not too late, that you reach down into the hearts, Lord, of everyone in this building tonight and those under the sound of my voice, either present or across the air or by an archive at a later time even. May your same anointing come off of it and move in their hearts. We love you and we thank you for your work tonight. We give it to you in Jesus' name. What's your plan, brother? In my life. Oh, that's beautiful. Lord, be glorified. That should be a prayer. Be glorified. Oh, make it like a prayer now. In Sing it to Jesus. Life. Let him 
now sing. You're not singing that to me or your neighbor. Why don't you raise up that hand and sing it again? says we need to go back to a power of God and to something that can do the same thing today talks about persecution always gives strength to the church we've had it too easy we get slothful we get to a place where we don't want to move on because everything's just handed to us listen to this now Listen real close. Israel shouted and danced. Sure, they had a great time. But they found out that they wandered for 40 years. Did you ever think what they did out there in the wilderness? Did you ever think of what Israel done? God, listen to this. God blessed them. Sure, sure they did. They had their gardens, their crops. They married their wives. They raised their children. It's 40 years. It's a whole generation. They married their wives. They raised their children. God blessed them. See? But remember, remember, that wasn't what God sent them out to live in that wilderness. Sure, he blessed them out there, but that's not why he sent them out there. They was just to pass through that wilderness. They were on the road to the promised land. The church was to go on to the full promise. Sometimes God blesses our lives and we just, we're just making time carrying on. But God didn't put you here and give you the Holy Ghost just to make time and carry on. We're, we're on a journey, friends. We're not to stay here in this wilderness. We're to be crossing over. Life's bigger than that. I challenge you today, be more than that. Be more than just walking in a wilderness. And, and enjoying God's blessing and God's provision and raising kids and raising a garden and having a crop. We're headed to a promised land. I believe that it's very soon our crossing. Do you believe that? 
I believe with all my heart, friends. I love this song. I, I, I saw that on your, it's on your list, isn't it? Amen. I think I, I, I may, maybe not. Maybe, maybe it was Deb. Okay. Amen. Let's sing it again. Oh, in my life, Lord, be glorified, be glorified. environment and the amount of income so she's asking us to pray the Lord will open that for her uh, my um, great nephew I guess he would be is uh, Judah love all it was uh, Jeremiah and Anna Hope were flying back from visiting his folks in in uh, Arizona and poor little guy he, he hadn't eaten or drank anything in about 24 hours and was hysterical on the plane and they finally got him to sleep and so I'm just going to pray for him adorable little boy um, sister Erica Parker brother Donnie's daughter uh, sends this request out to her to the bride family around the world I certainly would appreciate your prayers over the next couple of months as I begin the next part in this journey we are headed to Nashville for a new treatment to start tomorrow it's called uh, Lutathera IV radiation. It targets cancer cells wherever they are in the body. When it, with it comes the usual suspects of symptoms, but I'm believing for maximum cancer busting effects and minimal side effects. He's done it many times before. I have no reason to doubt him now. 
There are four of these treatments, one every eight weeks. I'll also still be receiving the sandestain shots, statin, sandestatin shots every four weeks. These shots usually make me feel pretty cruddy for several weeks, but God is more than able to take care of this as well. With all my heart, thank you so much. Brother Bruce and Sister Linda perish under the attack of the enemy tonight. Brother Bruce writes, um, Sister Linda and I, they want to be on this evening's prayer list for the Last several days, I've been plagued with a cough and very sore throat. Sister Linda has a cough. However, neither of us has a fever. God bless you all there in Buford. That's Brother Bruce and Sister Linda. Amen. Let's bow our heads for these. Put your hand, join hands with somebody or put your hand on them. Um, let's bind together. Put your arm around one another decently, of course. <clears throat> Father, we're believing, Master even right now for these needs. Lord, I believe that you are a faithful high priest that can be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. And so we call you on the scene, Lord, for this need that Sister Elizabeth has. I pray that even right now, Lord, you begin to turn the wheels and pull the levers. Father, that will cause the door to open for her perfect opportunity. I pray, Lord, for Judah tonight, Lord, little brother, and the enemy attacking him, we condemn the work of Lucifer. Lord, and may he be made well for your glory. Father, we're believing with our sister Erica tonight and the whole entire Happy Valley Church, Lord, and Brother Donnie and Sister Carol for their daughter. Lord, we're calling you on the scene once more. You have already done so much and you have proven yourself alive, Lord, as you did in the book of Acts. Our sister has been given clean bills of health now on more than one occasion. And now the enemy keeps coming back again, but we're coming to you again. And we're believing, Father, that she'll be free once more and for good. Father, for our dear brother Bruce and sister Linda right now, we're believing, Lord, that the Holy Spirit will lay his hand, Lord, lay your hand upon them, oh God. If they were here, I'd lay my hand upon them, but you lay your hand on them, Lord, and may they be completely recovered. We condemn the work of the enemy. May it immediately reverse and the recovery begin with swiftness. I pray you'll grant it, Lord. We commit it to you, Father. Lord, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, Amen, amen, amen. Yeah, you're correct, man. That was that hill was Masada. Yeah, I believe that's I believe that's correct. Amen. Amen. It's good to have been in the house of God tonight. I sure appreciate you all being here. We're gonna sing once more, and we will let you go uh, in Jesus' name. We'll see you this weekend. Amen. Sing for us, Brother Brad. You're beautiful And your face is all I see And when your eyes are on this child Your grace abounds to me Oh Lord You're beautiful Your face is all I see
Grace abounds to me. 